Welcome to After Hour Sessions. It's your guy, D-Rock. How's everybody doing? Hope you guys have been well. Hope you guys have been enjoying your summer. Having fun. Doing whatever it is that you guys want to do. Keeping it safe. Keeping it cool. Uh, wanted to check in with you guys because I know it's been a couple months. And just kind of wanted to do some checking in and do some reflecting. And, you know, hopefully get you guys ready for, I'm hoping, a new up-and-coming season of after hour sessions, but I, uh, you know, wanted to, to let everybody know, I just, uh, you know, from my last episode that I did with Goddess Nadia, that was back in June, which was also my last session, by the way, I kind of just decided I needed to take a little bit of a break, I was feeling a little bit tired, a little bit worn out, wasn't really feeling well, so I decided to take a little break, and it wound up being a break for the summer. Which wasn't planned, I didn't know how long the break would be, but um, the rest was definitely needed. And, you know, when we got into the month of August, I saw that we had hit two years since the first episode dropped, which is insane that two years have gone by. And also, we had hit over 20,000 downloads. We're now over 21,000 downloads. So I just wanted to let you guys know that and say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who listens and has listened um, because that's just humbling and mind-blowing to me that that's happened. But it makes me just reflect on where the show, how it started, where it's at now, and where trying to take after-hour sessions into the future. Um, a lot of you guys have heard me say it many times. It's such a great blessing, but it's not the podcast I ever thought I'd be doing. It's the podcast I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear mixed wrestling and session wrestling, you know, kink, fetish wrestling, all those things talked about more when I listen to like shows, you know, sex podcasts or different things, podcasts about BDSM or kink and fetish. And I was like, man, no one seems to talk about this, no one seems to know what it is, and I feel like, what's going on with that? So, I remember three years ago, Memorial Day 2019, meeting up with Jen Thomas, and she had been doing the interviews on SessionGirls.com, which were and are great, but I was just like, you should do a podcast. And this is during the session. We're just sitting there talking. And I'm showing her different podcasts. And I'm showing her how uh, you can go long form. And just get real and get loose. And ask different people. And help promote this and talk about it. And of course Jen was like. You know. The nicest person ever. So she was listening. And you know was like. Oh she didn't know a lot about podcasts. But I was like you should do it. You should be the one. And, you know, after the session, I would kind of check in with her and just see, hey, are you going to do it? Hey, what's up? But she was busy, of course, you know, doing her thing. So I, I was kind of like, whatever. And we get to 2020 and the world shuts down and I wasn't doing sessions and I was definitely missing them. But um, who would have thought Jumping on an Instagram live with Hans Vanderkill would change so much, but it did. And 
That was in, you know, July 20th of 2020. And then by August 7th, we had a name, uh, a Twitter account, and we recorded the first episode. Hans was the, the guest. And it felt pretty good. And I was just like, I was kind of going just no guidance, but just saying, hell, it's 2020, YOLO, you only live once. And I enjoyed talking to Hans, I enjoyed getting to know him, and I've enjoyed his friendship, and it's awesome to call him a friend these past two years. But I didn't really know where next to go, so of course, it was... The only other person I knew who I'm like, got to be on there was Jen. So Jen became the second episode. And honestly, after those first two episodes, everything else, the other, was it 50 or 51? It, it, none of that was expected. None of the people who have come on and have really just been so real and given, you know, such great conversations and talked about their lives and who they are and how they got into whether it's session wrestling or porn or being a dominatrix or BDSM or, you know, just everything. None of that was really planned. And these conversations, I hope they've really been awesome and, and cool for you because they've been such a blessing for me. They really have. And... You know, I look back on each episode and think like, holy crap, you know, I'm looking at the list and I, it's crazy that Goddess Severa was the fourth episode and that was a huge episode that really, you know, was someone who I was like, man, no, no way she'll come on this show, but I was like, I got to try just because I was such a fan of hers and thought she was so cool. And uh, had known about her for so long and really thought she was really cool when she sat down for a uh, Session Girls interview with Jen. I thought that was probably my favorite one that Jen did on her website. So I was like, I, I got to talk to her, at least try to. And the fact that like she emailed back and was willing to come on was so cool. And talking to this six foot five goddess badass and just so cool and so down to earth and so humble and has such an amazing story and this BJJ black belt I was like this is so cool this is awesome and you know from there that was a huge moment for us you know even that episode before getting Lisa from Tempest Wrestling and that was Hans who uh, hooked that up and Lisa just really told Amazing stories and really just connected and really got it. And it was just such a fun interview that it was like, maybe this can really be something. This can really be something. At least I knew, I, I don't, I didn't know where it was going to go. I just knew it was going to be a fun thing and a fun ride and hopefully fun conversations. And we're talking about something that a lot of people don't really talk about. And it just kind of took off from there, you know, it went to conversations that Hans, you know, Hans and I were having about, you know, kink and dating and, and, and 
from catching up and having questions. You know, really, we're trying to talk each other through that this pandemic and being, um, you know, staying inside all the time. And the conversations just went, you know, beyond it to to talking to Katarina and really getting to talk to someone who just truly, to me, is an artist. And I want people to, you know, we're going to have that episode soon, but Katarina Pierce is really doing things that are just amazing. And she is a true artist and is bringing an art form into sex work and and her content with, you know, wrestling and kink and fetish and being a dominatrix. She is just really inspiring, honestly, for me, because whether it's just an interview and sometimes I'm like, man, do I overthink it? But you want to do the best that you can. I'm a one man band. You know, I have supportive people like Hans, but it's me kind of just trying to make it work with another podcast and a day job and other responsibilities, but I love doing it. And she is someone from that first conversation back in November of 2020 and then constant conversations and even, you know, meeting up with her and having sessions last year in in, in New York City um, has become a friend and has become someone who I'm like, yes, she, she gets it. In the way I see it, and the way that this is, the content that you make can be just great art, and I want to start doing that. I really do, and I want to continue to have good conversations for the podcast, and that was also part of the reason why um, maybe the break over this summer of 2022 was... Trying to think of what is another way to deliver content for the people who like it. And another way to be creative and to get that outlet. And, um, you know, having ideas but not sure if I could execute them. And I'll be honest, you know, you want to do your best and at least put out good work. And if people, you know, not everyone's going to like it, but... You could look in the mirror and say, all right, I did the best that I could, and this is where I was coming from. And so wondering, do I have the stamina, the energy to try something different? And it's it's been cool, you know, um, able to shoot with Natasha Leona. That was back in the spring. You know, Safa Water, we did a face-sitting video. And that was my first time really on camera. And, you know, if you guys haven't seen it, go to Safa Water's uh clip store you'll see face sitting with Natasha Leona and I'm in that and that was kind of impromptu but but cool you know from meeting up with them and having a session with them and having conversations and and Safa's like well I could use this do you want to be in it and really picking the brain of someone like her of uh Hans talking to you know CJ from CJ Films, who's been a great friend. Uh, I'll get to more about that later. You know, Protein Wrestling, Katarina, and really, you know, all fair, even getting great tidbits and grading, getting understanding, you know, what goes into making great content because that's what I think all of us want to do. We want, we love what, we love what this industry has and 
you know, that BDSM and, and, and kink and session wrestling, but trying to think of ways to grow and expand and be creative. And it was really cool, you know, that first experience because it is, you know, I do a little performance, I guess, on air here, but it's a totally different beast. Like, you know, the camera's there and the lights are on and and I'm, you know, just sitting there and Natasha did the work. I was, she was the the great artist. I was just, uh, I just went along for the ride and, and was like, hopefully I don't make you look bad. You know, not, yeah, my goal was not, do I make you look good? It was, I hope I, I'm not so bad that it takes away from how good you are, you know? So, uh, you know, and I say that just being like, I, I know I have a long way to go and a lot to learn if I decide to, to, to open up a, a studio or just some extra, con- I don't know if it'd be a studio. I don't know if it'd be Patreon. I'm not sure, you know, not, not sure, but just been thinking about it more and trying to pick the brain because, uh, wanting to do things that are just different and wanting to take this show that I don't even know where it's going to go or, I mean, this has been the past two years that there's no way in hell I thought I'd ever do it. I didn't know if we would make it to, you know, I wasn't sure if we'd make it past the new year, you know, going into the new year in 2021. I was like, because there was no real, it was just going, it was just doing it. So the fact that it's two years and people have liked it and people have listened and the guests who have come on, they've been amazing. You know, um, I want to keep that going. They, that has inspired me to try to say, well, I like doing it. Number one, number two, the guests have had a good time and enjoyed it, um, and it's helped promote them, which is what I want to do, and hopefully show them as people and human and and just people who are brave to really express their true selves. Um, I hope that's come across these past two years. And uh, I, you know, I just want to continue that. I just want to keep that going for you guys. And I'm not sure if... Uh, I'm not sure, you know, exactly the the right lane, but I definitely want to start giving you guys extra content and maybe showing all this stuff in a different way and putting it out there in a different way. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, it could be a total flop. I have no idea, but one thing the past couple of years has shown me and one thing that this podcast has shown me, which is... You have to try. You have to put yourself out there and try. And hey, just like if, you know, we look at this a lot of times just the one way. If we don't put ourselves out there, we don't, you know, risk that factor of getting embarrassed or people not liking it. We're not vulnerable. We we look at it like, okay, it stops us from being, you know, ridiculed or being hurt or being laughed at or being, you know, put on the spot. Being put for everybody, and that's true. You block that out when you don't put yourself out there, you stop that emotion, all those bad negative feelings from coming through. But you have to look at the flip side when you don't put yourself out there, you're also stopping the joy, the connection, the creativity, love, 
we stop those feelings too when we close off. So it's a two-way street. We yeah, yeah, you're you're winning and you're shutting out those other things, those negative feelings that come with being vulnerable and putting ourselves out there. But you're also stopping the good stuff too. And and that's why vulnerability takes bravery, it takes courage. And there's nothing in life that you have that's pos- that's positive. And this goes for me too, that doesn't come without vulnerability, whether it's relationships, uh, your hobby, your job, whatever the case may be, um, there's nothing that you have in life that is positive that didn't come with vulnerability. So that's where I'm at with this. And I wouldn't mind, honestly, if people want to, you know, email, Twitter, let me know what you guys would be in the mood for, what you guys would be thinking. I'm, I'm not saying, but just to pick the brains of the people, people who listen, people who are devoted to the show, I want to know what kind of content, extra content you'd be willing to see. Um, because, you know, there's one thing that this has shown me from the fan side is I was by myself for so many years. The people I talked to about this, who knew about it, it was just the session wrestlers themselves or the, the dominatrixes themselves. There was nobody I knew in, in my world who was doing this. And it has been amazing from the great emails from people, which has been so humbling, but also a great way to learn and connect with other people over the past two years to messages and Twitter to be getting ready to meet people in person, guys who were fans like me, guys, you know, uh, um, from meeting CJ from CJ Films and, and my boy T from Protein Wrestling and having conversations. And it was humbling being like, man, I get to finally meet people. All these years since I was a kid, I never, I felt, I'm like, there has to be other people out there. But it was just me. I was alone. And in 2022, getting to meet fellow fans of this in person for the first time was an incredible experience. An incredible honor. And just so cool. You know, uh, the, 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 the way I got to meet CJ from CJ Films is really cool. It came after, um, back earlier this year, after... A session I had with Sheena, and I had done the podcast with Sheena, so we had had a you know rapport and talk, but um, met up with her in in the city, and I'm in Philadelphia, so met up with her to do the podcast. I mean, not the sorry, not the podcast, do a session, and I had saw earlier on her Twitter that or her Instagram that she had recorded. And done some clips at a place that I was like, man, that'd be a great place to do clips for, you know, session wrestling. And the ideas you could have here would be just limitless. So I was like, damn, that'd be so, that was my idea. I almost did it back last fall with somebody, with um, a a session wrestler, you know, but... The schedules didn't line up and we couldn't do it. So I was like, man, they did that idea. So I was talking to her in between breaks. 
And I was like, hey, you went to this spot and did a session? And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, I always wanted to do that. And she said, well, the guy who did it is coming. He's the session I have after you. And do you want to meet him? And I said, well, if he's cool with it, because, you know, some people want their privacy, their space. They don't want to talk to other people when they're doing a session. All that's okay. All that is cool. That's how you are. So I did not want to intrude. And I didn't want it to be like, or I took it as an insult if, if you know, this person was like, I, I really don't want to meet anybody. So I asked Sheena if he is okay with it, I'd be glad to meet him. So she was like, okay. She thought about it and she's like, I'll ask him. And she got a text back right away saying, hey, he says it's cool. You can meet. So I was like, okay. So after my session, she, me and her walk downstairs and we're waiting in the lobby. And this dude comes in and says, hey, what's up? My name's CJ. And then I said, hey, what's up? And I gave my first name. And I said, I do a podcast. And he goes, oh, about, about this? And I go, yeah. And then I was like, um, you know, I go by D-Rock on there after our sessions. And he goes, oh, what's up, man? You're D-Rock? Oh, it's good to meet you, man. He's like, I'm CJ from CJ Films. And I go, yeah, man, big fan of yours. And he said, likewise, man. And it was so cool because that's never happened before where someone I meet on the street liked the content. You know, I know people have listened and the messages I've gotten have been amazing. So I don't want to take anything away from that. But it was really humbling and cool to meet someone in person who's like, I like what you're doing, and I got to tell him the same thing, um, and this is back in February, and from there, we've stayed in great communication, and just talking about our love for this, and our passion, and just, you know, trying to create, and trying to do right, and it's been a really cool friendship that's developed, and it comes from, yeah, the world of session wrestling, Dominatrix, BDSM, but it comes from this podcast. It comes from you guys giving that support. So I thank y'all for that because that's been really awesome. And the relationships that have developed, you know, um, Katarina, I, I, it's that friendship's been cool. Michaela Miles, I mean, man, oh man, just how cool and awesome and humbling that was. Because I go back to summer 2007 and I discovered this thing called YouTube. And one of the first people I see, it's, it's Mutiny, it's Jen Thomas, Amazon Amanda, Michaela Miles. And Michaela, you know, 6'3", Glamazon. But, and you know, you're, you're seeing people just through their, their content. But just seems so friendly and cool and nice and just down to earth and awesome. And that always carried through. And then, you know, I never was able to see her in person. But back, you know, in May of 2021, to be able to, you know, whoa, she's coming on the show. She's down. And then to have this amazing conversation with her and amazing stories about her life and her background was one of the best conversations I've ever had and it was amazing for then the next month 
she wanted me to be a guest on her podcast and talk about just humbling and so cool and so much fun, you know, to be like someone who, wow, you helped me get into this, to then having these real conversations that I feel like when I talk to Michaela, like, we could go for six hours. And then for her to even come back on the show last December and to give such honesty about her evolving from, you know, in her content to more to more sexual work and that expression and that freedom and her, you know, being more comfortable in her own skin and being more present. It was downright inspiring. And I can honestly say from listening to her podcast and from her, you know, last December, right after we uh, we recorded the, the interview on, on after our sessions, go to Michaela Miles, and she does a solo podcast. And I started going back and listening to her other episodes, and I can honestly say, Michaela is the reason why what I'm doing right now. I was like, you know what? I should start doing some solo shows. Now, it doesn't mean I don't want guests on, because, of course, I love talking to people, and so that's going to be a part of it. But also sometimes, I'm not going to lie to y'all, man, when you're running around, it's tiring, and then other people have their schedules, and they're running around, and they're especially, you know, they're traveling, going from here, there, everywhere. They're going across the country, across the globe. Getting that schedule right to record it can be tough. Now, it's worth it. I'm not complaining. Love doing it. Love doing it for y'all. But sometimes the schedules and trying to book people and trying to book people who it's different. But also, man, it's hard when you get a regular who has killed it. You know, it can be hard to schedule. But sometimes I'm like, I don't want to stop making content and want to keep creating I can't be like always, hey, Hans, can you do it? Hans is a busy, busy man, too. That's a bad man. See the content he's putting out? It's awesome. He is killing it in 2022, by the way. On a quick sidebar, go see Hans Vonderkill's work. The dude's killing the game. But anyway, can't always put that on people. So then it's like maybe trying to tell some stories myself. And I kind of want to start introducing that. Maybe some story time with D-Rock. And telling some stories about my times doing the sessions. And, you know, depending on what the stories are, I might say the person's name. Maybe it's a little risque. Maybe I won't say the name, but definitely want to try that with you guys, too. So, um, it's just been amazing. It's been awesome. Sorry if I'm rambling, but I have missed talking to you guys. And want to let you know that I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, to bring back more podcast episodes, but also more uh, other content as well. So it's it's just been a great ride. And I want you guys to let me know what you think about, you know, the show. I wouldn't mind even hearing people say uh, what their favorite episodes have been. I think that'd be really cool, too. Um it's hard for me. I don't know. I want. I don't want to offend anyone. Maybe I will. If you guys tell me, I'll tell you what some of my favorite episodes have been so far. Um, but I love to hear what you guys have thought have been your favorite episodes, too. 
you know, so it's, uh, it's been a great ride, and it's been so much fun, and I'm beyond grateful, and looking forward, you know, um, to produce more, some episodes, I had a great conversation with Katarina, the audio, there was some technical difficulty, so I want to get that edited up and put together, so that's why I haven't dropped it yet. I know she mentioned parts of the conversation on her Twitter, and so I'm looking forward to that, um, and looking forward to just doing some other things as well, so please continue to listen, uh, like you guys for dealing with this and listening to me. I just kind of wanted to catch up with you guys and just be reflective. So thank you guys so much. This is your guy D-Rock. And this is the After Hours Sessions. Peace. Welcome to the After Hours Sessions podcast. This is your host D-Rock. And I'm joined by a special guest. Someone who is one of the top performers in the adult industry. Someone who is an amazing performer. Uh, entrepreneur, just someone who's real innovative in the adult industry and someone I'm so excited to have on the show and to be able to talk to someone who's an AVN award winner and just all around, you say this name and people know exactly who you're talking about. So I'm just honored that she was willing to come on the show. So let's give it up for the amazing Sin Sage. Sin, how are you? Hello. Wow. Uh, what a great intro. <laughs> <laughs> I like imagining that if you say my name, people know what you're talking about. So that's nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. No, people know. People are fans and excited. I'm sure you you know, like how people, people love your work and are excited. So that's the same with the After Hour Sessions uh, fan base, too. They're excited that you're coming on. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> So for me, I guess, because I'm someone always interested in a lot of things, to be honest, but Mm -hmm. I'm interested in, you know, someone's journey and how they got in there. And we can definitely talk about that. But I guess I'm curious into what is something that you've been working on recently that, you know, like what just what's been going on with Sin recently? Oh, I will. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, basically, like, I work uh, so often and so much. Um, really, all the time, I am busy doing something almost every single day. Uh, and some of those days are things that are breaks, that are fun things for me to do. Like, I just came back from Chicago. I was there for, um, like, nine days and visiting a friend. And I went to Riot Fest. Uh, but even there, I shot some content with a model and I did a tickling session. So, you know, it's just kind of like when you do the sort of work that I do, um, you, you're basically never not working, uh, except maybe when you're sleeping. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So what I do for a living now really is produce my own content, produce custom videos and, um, I do all that via, you know, um, an endless mountain of emails uh, that never really, it's a, it's a Sisyphean uh, task, the, the email inbox. And, um, 
and then uh you know run like kept trying to keep my only fans running and just you know a plethora of other activities that are usually related to trying to keep all those you know uh, plate spinning so that the so that I can make a good living. <laughs> right, right. Um, and yeah. And that's always fascinating to me because you know, from the outside, even as a young kid, no matter what the field is, it's like you want to be your own boss. And I know not to put words in your mouth, it's probably rewarding and awesome in a way that you're producing your own content and you're your own boss, but how was that adjustment or was there an adjustment for you from just being a performer to now a performer, a producer, entrepreneur, a promoter, marketer, all those things in the one. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's interesting because at the time that I was sort of like making that transition, I, I, I wasn't even really thinking about it. It was more like, you know, for first 10 years of my career, it was, uh, I was relying on getting hired, getting bookings. And when you get a booking, you just get a one-time payment for your performance or your modeling, whatever it is. Um, so that's always nice to like get a check and then go home and not really have to think about it anymore. That Those were easier times in my life for sure. But, right. um, <laughs> but you know, the savings account wasn't really like growing um, in the same way. And, uh, so then the other thing about that was when Pornhub sort of, it was a big like shakeup in the industry. And for the first few years, you know, um, like the companies just didn't have the money to be hiring in the same ways that they were before. So I saw my income dwindling and sort of stagnating and I was getting concerned and I had had some people ask me about making custom videos and, I think even at the time, like many vids had reached out to me and they were like, hey, you make content, right? You should open a store with us. And I, I remember even writing them back and being like, no, I don't make content. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now I have a many vid store with like almost a thousand clips in it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so so that was going on. And uh, I was like, you know, I think maybe this custom video thing, I got to figure this out. So I put on my wish list like a little Sony handy cam and like a $25 studio light and an editing program. And I had a friend in the industry teach me how to edit for like a six pack of beer. And um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's just like the basics. Um, and then I just kind of started. And um, my boyfriend at the time, he's my husband now. I was like, okay, well, I need you to shoot these things. So I already had experience running camera um, with producers. And so I taught him what I knew about that. And then I showed him the basics of what I had learned about editing. And um, and I was like, you know, if you want to do this with me, like, you, you let's get this going. And um, it started off very slow, but, you know, as the years went by and, then now it's to the point where, you know, I can't even manage it all <laughs> with the customer. Right. So, but what's awesome is that, you know, I taught my partner, Drake, how to do camera and how to edit. And then he really is just, he's just such a jack of all trades that like, like teaching him skills like that, he then took them and then 
elevated them to the next levels. Um, and so now like I would trust him to shoot a scene over me shooting a scene like all day. I would just be like, you do it. You're better at it now, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and same thing with editing. So he does the camera work and the editing um, and he's lighting and everything for our company. Uh, and so, yeah, so that, that's kind of how it all started. And then it just grew from there. It was slow, but, uh, then we were able to like upgrade our equipment the first time. And then we were able to upgrade our equipment a second time. And, you know, now we just have this production company. So, uh, so I will say that, you know, definitely life was simpler when I was just getting hired. Um, and I wasn't really considering that that shift to, you know, sort of running my own company. Um, and it is a tremendous amount of work. But at the same time, you know, what you're talking about with um, being your own boss is that just the freedom that I have in my life um, that, you know, I first noticed it when I was like, well, I don't have to live in Los Angeles or South Southern California anymore. I'm not rely on those bookings like I can really go do what I want from wherever I want to do it from and um so that was super freeing uh so I mean currently I live in Las Vegas which is also another big hub for um content creators and adult right but um you know I lived in my van for three years and just was shooting customs and doing what I wanted and traveling the country and you know, we, we are hoping to get back to that at some point within the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's just ultimately like, though it is a lot more work and responsibility um, and even pressure kind of, it is also very much worth the freedom and the control over my own life experience for me to be able to take time off when I need to, or when I want to, or when I'm not feeling good or any of those things, like to not be so reliant on, um, you know, uh, a boss or, you know, I don't have to ask permission to go on a vacation or whatever. So to me, it's just like when I weigh those things against each other, against, you know, sort of the more uh, like reliability of maybe a regular paycheck or something, uh, just the freedom is beyond worth it to me for me. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because that's, that's the truth. I think like a lot of times all of us can be guilty. We see the, the freedom and the positives and those are there, but we don't see the work that goes into it and it's a grind. And even people just see the one sidedness of like, well, you're your own boss and you, you're making good money. But the work, the effort, the stress, like you said, the learning all these different new skills um, and the constant learning and growing you have to do. And and even that balance of relying on yourself, but then relying on other people for your business, like and being, you know, balanced with that. It's all a lot of stuff that I think gets overlooked when it comes to people being content creators and owning their own business. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm happy to share it. And, you know, I think, I think especially when people talk about sex work and, you know, exploitation and all this other stuff, it's like, I, you know, my husband worked, uh, he was a diesel mechanic before we got together and he started working like as part of my company. 
and you know he'll tell you like i've never felt more exploited in my life than when i was working as a diesel mechanic because you know like he is literally destroying his own body so that the owner of the company who owns the diesel um the the diesel company that he used to work for like that guy can get rich on the back of my husband's labor who needed back surgery at 28. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now, you know, we live a life where we're, we are the bosses of our life. And he's like, I've, you know, this is the least exploited I've felt my entire life. And that's him, you know, like fucking me on camera to make money. So I just, it's important for people to, to realize that I, I, that, you know, that word exploitation can be used sort of like as a weapon against the very people it's sort of claiming to want to watch out for, um, and save, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because that's something that I've even heard. I can say within the past couple of years is, you know, you know, people like to, and as someone who, you know, not just doing this podcast, but is into, you know, this type of work and field, you know, you, you advocate, but I never even looked at it at this point where I've seen people come up to like professional athletes and it's like, well, you use your body for money and that's okay, but what's wrong for a sex worker? And it was like, damn, that's absolutely true. And yeah. That's right. A hundred percent. And especially like, and I mean, you know, they might be saying like, well, it's, sex workers though but it's you know emotionally it's um psychologically you know problematic it's like i don't know but you're okay with a football player um bashing his head over and over and over again knowing that that can lead to chronic traumatic encephalitis Mm -hmm. could lead to them harming themselves or their loved ones or fucking animals or you know like yeah that we know happen that we've seen happen that we have the science to back up and yet for some reason that's okay it's only us that need saving because we're naked and we're fucking and um as though we don't have agency over our own decisions in that case so i'm always trying to you know sort of point that out and and hope that it helps people maybe um sort of look through look at these things from a different perspective and maybe with a little bit of um with more critical eye no, absolutely. And I'm glad you're doing that. And and before I, I move on to something else, I just wanted to follow up on something. What was that like living in your van and traveling around for a few years and like creating content? And I'm guessing you went across the whole U.S. or were you in a certain area? But what was that experience like? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. It was like, again, you want to talk about freedom? It was like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm, 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 I'm jealous. Like, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it- it was the most freeing um, that, you know, my, my partner and I have ever sort of felt. Um, and I think just like with any other adventurous thing that you do with your life, it, there are lots and lots of positives. And then there are some negatives. There's a lot that you have to get used to. But, um, you know, it, you're just weighing that balance. Like in the in the end, the outcome is a, a, a result that is beyond worth it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was, it was amazing. And yeah, we traveled all over the entire country. We have driven through literally every state, uh, in the United States. Um, all of the ones that are here on the mainland, uh, with our van. And then, you know, we've traveled to Hawaii 
our van. <laughs> we just rented a car um, on the Hawaiian Islands. But uh, but yeah, 2018, we drove all the way to Alaska and we drove all around most of the parts that you can actually drive to in Alaska, which is surprisingly not that much. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. There's basically like when you... Well, okay, we haven't gone to the sort of southern, south, uh, eastern part of Alaska, which is sort of that little tip that's still attached to Canada. But the mainland part, you basically can drive in and then you go down to Anchorage and you can go down to the uh, Kenai Peninsula and drive around that and then back up through Anchorage. And then you can go up to Denali National Park and you can go to uh, Fairbanks. And from there, you pretty much go back to Canada. You can drive to the gates of the Arctic National Park, which is the the northernmost part, but getting gas is extremely sketchy because there's there's just nothing there. It is Alaska's the most incredible driving to Alaska is the most incredible thing I've ever done in my life. And it's really? a, when I tell people about it, I'm just like, please, please, please put that on your bucket list for life. Like if you see one natural, uh, incredible thing, and I haven't seen the whole world, but I've seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was just, that was, uh, the words, it's hard to find the words to describe like how profound that was. So highly recommend it. <laughs> no, I, I, I have family who have gone to Alaska and have talked about it and talked about just kind of what you said. And they've gone at the different times of year when it's dark for 20 hours or when it's sunlight for 20 hours. And, yep. but you know, just how amazing it really is. And yeah. I, now you can look at pictures and see little video clips and stuff, but it's just nothing that nothing compares to actually standing there and seeing that pure like majesty surrounding you. It's breathtaking. That's incredible. That's so cool, though. Like, I love that. I love. <laughs> so, I guess I kind of want to ask: Were you someone who always was kind of interested or curious about, you know, sexuality and getting into sex work? Were you a were you kind of vanilla growing up? Like, <laughs> what kind of led you on this this path to to be this you know AVN winner, future Hall of Famer? <laughs> yeah. I'm throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, keep your fingers crossed on that one. Maybe the more people talk about it, it might actually happen someday. But um, it will. It will. I believe. Positive. Positive. Yeah. Thinking. Um, yeah. So let's see. I don't know. I, I, I guess it's just that from the time I was a very small kid, I was really, really I, I've always been into performance. I've always been on stages, uh, you know, uh, family gatherings if someone had a you know VHS video camera um, I would be jumping in front of it doing a little song <laughs> uh, you know I was in um, community theater since I was like eight or nine and then um, middle school high school drama theater show choir singing uh, dancing so just that's just my nature um, my both my parents were English teachers, but my dad was also a drama teacher at the high school that I ended up. Oh, cool. Too. So it's just kind of been in me. Um, 
you know, went to Shakespeare festivals when I was younger with my grandpa, who was also an English teacher. So <laughs> just always been interested in those things. And um, about the age that I was hitting puberty and, you know, getting those hormones in my body, I just, I had never seen porn um, beyond like some easy writer magazines that I found at my friend's house, which was like a motorcycle style playboy. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but I remember like looking at that magazine and being just like intrigued, not, not repulsed by any means being like, this is exciting to me. Um, And I think at the time I was too, I wasn't, uh, I was too, a little too young to know what my sexuality was at that time, but definitely looking at these women and being like, I want to do that too. Like, I want that also. Um, so, and again, I had never seen like porno video or anything like that. And, but yeah, when I was in eighth grade, I was telling everyone I want to be a porn star when I grow up. And then when I got into high school, I was like, I want to be a stripper when I grow up and here we are. So I, I don't know why, except for, I think it's just that um, I have always been a sort of sexually curious or at least interested person. Um, I like the erotic. I like sexuality. I've always been an exhibitionist in that sense of liking to perform and be watched, whether it's just, you know, the Wizard of Oz I'm performing on stage or whether I'm eating pussy and fucking with my strap on. Like, I just, <laughs> I like <laughs> Um, I like that kind of attention. And uh, so to me, it was just really natural. It was really, really natural. And I went searching for it when I was 18. I went out and found it for myself. So I always say I'm one of the only people I know that grew up to do exactly what I wanted to do. (laughs) No, that's really cool. I love that. I love because everyone's story is different and unique. Yeah. And it's cool to hear. I, I think it's fascinating that for all of us, no matter what we do, how those other things that you, and maybe you thought a little bit, but like the fact that like you were into theater and doing those, like how like our journey leads us to where, where to our just our destination and we don't realize it. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's so fascinating. And you think like, when am I going to use this stuff or when this doesn't apply to this, but like, you see that it does. And that's so cool. Like all those community theater things helped you to be a great performer and be natural in front of the camera. And it's like, you probably didn't think back then that, yeah, I'm going to use this skill and talent in this way. But I think that's so awesome. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And, you know, the way you were, when you were telling that story, I was like, man, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't go down that same path and be an English teacher. (laughs) <laughs> like, like I was like, man. No, no, no. The like the one thing I knew from growing up in a family of teachers was that I absolutely did not want to be a teacher. <laughs> yes, yes. Fuck that. Yes. Was. Like I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm happy teachers exist. I wish they were paid better. I wish they were treated better. Um, I think it's fucking abysmal what's happening in this country right now, specifically like two educators. I mean, in a million different things, but specifically mm-hmm. the educators, you know, like they're uh, they're just being treated horribly and um, their value is they're not valued at all. So 
Um, I have so much respect for that job, obviously growing up in that life, but it was just, I saw the thanklessness. I saw now my mom is an incredible teacher and she has students from 25 years ago that she's still friends with uh, students that grew up to teach at the college, at the, at the high school that she taught at um, and still reaching out to her all the time to tell her the impact that she made in their lives. But, you know, I saw just, um, what the paychecks were. And, um, I heard always about the parents and they're, they can be terrible and the administration, and uh, um, it, it's just such a nightmare. And I was like, and then, and again, that lack of freedom that I didn't, mm. I did not appreciate that. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm an English teacher in my own way. I correct everyone's grammar. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sin, you are hitting. So I am also the son of a teacher, the grandson of a teacher, yeah. uh, aunt, aunts on both sides, you know, aunts, great aunts, uncles, all are teachers. And I say the same thing, which is for someone who is not in that field, you won't find, I guess, except for like yourself, like someone who respects that and admires it so much. But yeah. growing up in it, it's why and seeing how it's become. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the positives, like, because just like what you said, I, you know, have been out at a restaurant with my mom and a student comes up to her and is, like knows who she is and they're referencing. And I'm like, how when this guy looks pretty old, like, no offense, but I'm like, when did, did he still remembers? And it's from like he he mentions like, remember, uh, you took my like my 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 uh, Pink Floyd album. I was and I'm like, gosh, you're from that long ago. And you still remember my mom? And it's like, it's cool. It's like, see that impact. Like, that's awesome. But then you're right. Just seeing where, especially where it's gone over the years and the lack of support, the lack of pay. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I give people so much credit who still fight the fight. But I, I knew from the inside, it, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, just definitely not. And I mean, it was the same. I don't know. Maybe I was just more observant or something but for me like watching you know my mom trying to juggle being a teacher which is like you go to work at you get up for work at five o'clock in the morning you go mm-hmm. at 30 you stay after you get home at five then you have to make your family dinner then you have to grade papers all night mm-hmm. until you go to bed then you wake up and you do it again and even on the weekends maybe you get to sleep in a little bit but then you're grading essays all weekend. And, you know, I was just like, not only do I not want that, uh, and, oh, but you get two weeks, you get two months off in the summer. I no, I don't care. That's not enough. Um, no. and the other thing is, is just that, yeah, I saw that, you know, I was, um, an ungrateful teenager and there was no, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's just being a kid, but it's like um, looking back now to see all of that pressure that was on my mom and that like I had I had no means to even understand um, how grateful I should have been at the time. Like now I can be very grateful and I try to, you know, let her know that and that she was amazing in so many ways. But um, but yeah, I was like, I don't want a kid either. <laughs> right, right. Like, I don't want that ungrateful shit, like not understanding. And and that's the thing is like, there's no metric 
for a kid to even be able to, to comprehend that. And um, no thanks. <laughs> no, I'm with you. It's, it's... <laughs> so I really like learned from my parents' example, at least in this in the sense of what I didn't want with my life. So <laughs> same, same. Yeah. I, I learned yeah. not as well as you because then I got into counseling, you know, drug and alcohol counseling and social work. So oh, that's cool though. <laughs> it, oh, thank you. It's yeah. <laughs> I was really into drug and alcohol counseling. Um, I thought that might be something I wanted to pursue as well. But I almost think it's not as good as someone who's never been in that position. I feel like the better counselors are ones who have sort of lived through that experience. But I'm not sure. What do you think? I think it's... There's a point to it. There is something to that. I think you don't actually have to have the same Mm -hmm. you have to be able to relate yeah so I've had to tell people so for me I will tell people in my groups like yes I was I had to go to go away for a little bit you went to rehab but I went for my mental health yeah and it's different yeah but does it kind of overlap for sure yeah totally Mm -hmm. I go to support groups for my mental health, you're going to AA. Is it different? Yeah. Does it overlap? For sure. Definitely. There's plenty of experiences. A lot of times I'm talking to people who grew up as a mix of people. And it's like, hey, addiction, this disease hits everybody, no matter where you're from or how old you are or your race, religion, what, yeah. whatever. But it's like certain people had a lot of privileges who were my patients who I'm like, yeah, you never had to go through what I did being a person of color. So it's like, yeah, showing people like that, like, and it's like, guess what? The people who have helped me, like outside of family are people who didn't look anything like me, didn't do like, it's just very different, but yet they still were able to help and kind of explaining that definition. Like, it's great to have that support group. And that's why you have it of people who do know your battles, but you appreciate empathy more when it's someone who may never know what you're going through but they're still listening and they're still there for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's what empathy is kind of all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that was a little bit of a battle at first, not a bad one, to be honest, other people got, I saw them get it way worse. Yeah. But kind of having to explain that and patients did get it. Cause yeah. then it's also wow. like, I told my stories and I'm like, we can go back and forth here. And a lot of times I'm like, I can probably get top you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So but what's that going to prove? Like, we're yeah. still right here. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, I think that addiction is, it is mental health. Um, and that, mm-hmm. I just, I think it's so tragic that we have this country set up to treat addiction uh, like a crime when it's very clearly um, trauma-based and mental health-based and things like that. And um I wish I wish we had a better way of dealing with it. You know, I love what Portugal did many years ago by decriminalizing, um, you know, drugs and drug possession and drug use and things like that. And instead, you know, uh, um, being supportive, like when people need that help because they're in a desperate place with addiction, it's like we provide that help rather than throwing you in prison and taking away your freedom you know i just think it's really tragic no for sure and um we kind of 
I learned and what helps me. And it's weird because when I meet people who are they're in college or grad school, whatever, and they're looking to get in the field and they're like, you see that and you hate to judge it, not judge it, but like, oh no, they had that look like I'm going to save the world. And it's like, I sit there and they're like, what can you tell me about this? And I'm like, I don't want to crush your dreams. I don't want to lie to you either. Yeah. How are we going to do this song and dance? And it's kind of like, I tell them like, you can't save the world. You don't, you're not a savior. Like, you can help somebody, but you can't save people. And people yeah. look at me and I go, it takes the pressure off. A, it's a couple things. What kind of ego do you have where you're like, I can save you? Like, you know, yeah. you're trying to survive every day yourself. Like, who are you to be like, I can save you? But it's like, yeah, I, I'll meet someone halfway, but I can't do it all. I can't do your sobriety for you. I can't do your mental health for you. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of, I don't know, it, it's, uh, I guess, like, it's invigorating in a little bit because it's like, yeah, like, yeah, I'll meet you halfway, but it's not on me to do it all for you. And, hey, I'm sorry for whatever, you know, everyone has a story. Yeah. I'm sorry for how you got here, but I've had to tell people this, not too many times, because I do, I can say, knock on what I've had a good rapport with patients and clients. Um but it's like, if I put you here, I would own it. If I was a part of this, I would own it. But I'm not the reason why you're here. So you're not going to put that on me that your life is falling apart because of me. I go, if I am ever a part of that, I'll be the first one to say my fault. So I'm here to help. But you're not going to put point the finger at me of why you're here. That's not going to fly. Yeah, of course. So Certainly not. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like, yeah, take the ego out. Like it kind of helps. Like you're not a savior. You're not gonna. You can help, and 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 also learning the definitions of help. Sometimes that help may just be you don't save them, but you you were a good ear to listen to that day, or you gave them a resource to call, and that's helping. You you know what I mean? But yeah, we see sure. we see like the home runs. And hey, I guess if you work in it long enough, you do have those kind of moments, but that's very rare. Sometimes you take the single and you get on base. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <You know? laughs> but no, it's uh it's it's interesting. And so those who have listened, they've heard me mention because other people have said, whether they're dominatrix or session wrestling, um, they have that theater kind of like background so I'm kind of intrigued so mm-hmm. oh yeah I do wrestling stuff too I've, I've always done that as well oh yeah no that's where I first saw you, you excellent oh, really? mm-hmm. nice I saw you uh I saw two I saw you wrestling Jen Thomas and Mutiny yeah Oof. um yeah probably a long time ago, I don't know. <laughs> mhm, mhm. Yeah. Oh, it was a while ago, but that, that was the first times I saw you, and then I've seen other other things. But like that was the first. I was like, oh, okay, she's she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how? So were there things that were kind of an adjustment for you? Like I know you were a natural performer, but what was that like, kind of early on, getting in front of the camera? 
Um, I mean, I remember being, you know, like the first time I ever went and shot a, a pro sex scene, I remember being um, like kind of intimidated a little bit because I was definitely working with some other professionals, you know, who'd been around for a while. But um, but the girl that I worked with was like super understand, like, you know, she knew it was my first time. And so she was really a uh, positive attitude, very encouraging. Um, so she really made me feel pretty great. And then uh, and then I was just like doing my thing. I mean, to me, it was never, it just, it all felt so natural. The first time I was, uh, um, the first time I went on stage to dance as a stripper, uh, and the first time I did a photo shoot a nude sex photo shoot. And the first time I performed on camera, it was all just, pretty uh exhilarating and thrilling and um just natural for me just felt right so mm. i didn't struggle with any of that at all um so. and now here i am just completely jaded just all the way through <laughs> <laughs> oh man 20 um years <laughs> This this might be a little bit of a weird question, so forgive me, but um, do you feel like when you're performing, and it could be, you know, from when you were growing up in community theater to performing now, do you feel like that's when you're kind of your most comfortable self, like your more most natural self, like when you're performing? Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's that's a hard one to answer only because um you know i i am always just my natural self like i don't know if that makes me weird or something but i just don't i i just don't have like the tolerance or the patience to like pretend to be something for different people depending on who i'm with or talking to like I'm just like the only thing I've ever been able to be is me and that just continues. So like, uh, right. so yeah, like when I, I'd say it's more like when I'm performing was okay. When I'm live performance, when I do a live performance, which I have one coming up in Las Vegas at the scores nightclub, I'm performing with Daisy Ducati and a bunch of other girls. We're doing um like, Oh, a, cool. Yeah. Like a Halloween, themed um performance there scores october 7th in las vegas um <laughs> <laughs> so like when i get the chance to do a live performance in front of an audience i mean that is i don't want to say it's like my most natural self or whatever but it's definitely my most um it's like the most adrenaline rushing through my veins like the best the best natural high uh for sure Just yeah loving that um, and then when I do a scene with someone, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just doing what I want to do with them. I am just like satiating my desire, uh, <laughs> with no, no. consent and permission to do so. So yeah, that's just me feeling good and having fun, but, you know, noticing where the camera is at the same time so that I can make a good performance as well. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering that question. No. Um, 
<laughs> you are. You are. Yeah. You are. It's a it's a tough one. And I, I ask it only because out of like selfishly like connecting and, and like I talk about like doing social work and drug and alcohol and then even like doing podcasting, like what you said about live performance, the most natural high is when and it doesn't, you know, but you know, I think we we all if we think about it know when you're having that conversation that it's just, it's clicking and it's just being real and it's going places that you, you didn't, you can't plan on it. And it's just like, it feels like nothing else is happening around you. And it's just you and this person, or if it's a few people, you know, but yeah. you're, it's just no, you know what I mean? Yes. That's, I definitely get that when, um and when I'm doing certain scenes. Yeah. Especially if it's, if the other person is kind of like, open to connecting on that level with me and then we are doing it we're having that really connected experience um oh man yeah you know i this movie called soul by disney it's like a disney pixar movie it's yeah Mm -hmm. my favorite one um they would call it you know like being in the zone and so yeah there's nothing better (laughs) awesome awesome and i'm I'm also going to, because if you're a Pixar fan, I'm going to piggy, I'm going to go back to that later and, and then talk to you about Pixar too. So oh, that totally. is awesome. <laughs> that is really awesome. Um, but I, it's weird. And I, and I know, so you definitely answered, and I appreciate it because it's a weird one because I've had this conversation with people, especially over the pandemic that for me, like when I do this, when I do a podcast, it's, me and my realest self but I'm also when I'm outside I'm not doing a podcast I'm not being fake but I guess and sometimes I try to change it it's kind of me at my best self in a way yeah like um it's when I do a podcast when I've started one I'm just like hey you know what you 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 think about it but then it's like hey we're gonna do it it's not gonna be perfect I'm gonna learn the mistakes we're going to grow if it's an episode or the audio was off oh man you disappointed you learn from it you move on fine me in real life can definitely get into my head not definitely i do it way too much of like <laughs> you overthink it like you want it to be perfect even though you know it can't be perfect yeah. you overthink yeah. it so much that you don't even start because you're just like oh, oh i don't want to screw up and then it's like you're, you you know you're not present yeah. When you try to be present and it's like, it's not being fake, but it's, and that's why I try to like change it up. It's like, that is me. Those are, you know, we're all flawed people. So those flaws are me, but it's like in this world, I don't, you know, Oh, I made a mistake or man, maybe I didn't ask that question. I may listen back. I didn't ask that question. Right. It's like for a second, it's like, damn it. And that's like, all right, work on how to, you know, get that question out quicker. And I move on to the next one. I don't let it weigh me down. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I think that's like, I mean, that's just my philosophy on um, pretty much all of life in general is just, you know, every single thing that happens is an opportunity to take that experience and learn from it, apply it to your life um, mm. and try to uh, try to be better. But without that, without having anxiety about it or overthinking it, you know, just okay, so you made a mistake. Let's look at the mistake, what led us to it and how we can be better next time. Um, And I totally get what you mean about the podcasting. So I literally just recorded the very first episode of me trying to do my own podcast. 
And oh, congrats. Thank you. And um, I went into it like I didn't have anything written down. I didn't do any research. You know, I was just like, this is what this is what I want the podcast to be. I knew that um, I had a, had a few questions in mind that I specifically wanted to ask. But then, you know, just let the conversation flow. And we were saying things that I think mattered. And um, I got in the stuff that I wanted to get in. And then when it was done, everyone was like, that was great. Like, this is going to be really good. And then I felt super proud and empowered. And I was like, you know, this little bit of imposter syndrome I was feeling for a moment. It's just, you know, just steamroll over that shit and do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll realize like, oh, you can do it. You can really, you can do anything. You just got to try. Yeah, absolutely. No, um (laughs) That's awesome. Now, it's the first episode. Is that published? Is it out there? No, no. I want to okay. record probably about seven or eight episodes before I start actually releasing them. So because uh, I just have such an incredibly busy schedule and <laughs> I'm I'm busy doing stuff every single day. And so I want to make sure that I have a backlog. Uh, that is very smart, and <laughs> I do two podcasts, and this one, I love this, uh, but that is that has been the hardest part about it is, is yeah, trying to have enough so you can be consistent, but yep. then you kind of burn out a little bit because you're doing, you're like, oh, I, I have six interviews in, you know, eight days. How did this happen? And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a break and just whatever happens, happens, and then when everyone's kind of like, people say yes, but they're busy. And then I'm like, oh man, but there's a gap. Then it's like, oh, that's why I did the other way too. Now I remember. So great move. Yeah. Having that backlog before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean, I, I obviously run um, my own clip stores as well right now. And if I don't, if I don't post an update um, three times a week, then the stores start to suffer. So it's just that that's that's the thing about being a content creator it's um you want to have a little backlog and then you have to be consistent it's the only way to be to to be successful is that consistency absolutely absolutely yeah now is you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier but i kind of like to ask people because chemistry can be different for everyone so what's if you can describe it, what's that feeling or what's it like when, you know, cause you're a professional, you've done it and you know, it's a job, but there are times when it's like, I'm sure like, man, that chemistry with so-and-so was just amazing. Or every time you work with so-and-so, it's just, we just click and it's just that chemistry is there. What's that feeling and what's that, that like when you, you just had that chemistry with that person? Mm. It's like warm caramel sliding (laughs) down your throat and tickling every taste bud along the way. Wow. (laughs) I love that answer. That's a great answer. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, um, uh, it's so, it's such like a fulfilling um, feeling and, uh, just like the familiarity and the it's sort of like a comfort almost and um, it's just delectable like 
<laughs> but to know that you know you're you're gonna be able to ha- that the kissing is gonna feel great that the touching is gonna be fire that the eye contact will be there that just and mm, it's like a hug I don't know <laughs> now that warm so I have a follow up that warm when it comes to at least performing that warm caramel feeling do you feel like that can be kind of like developed over time when yeah. it comes to performing or do you feel like it's a natural either you got it or you don't oh no i i think it anything all all of the above like uh you know with some people like i've had that with someone that uh sh- i showed up on set i did not know her I, we had never met the scene felt that way and then i never saw her again um, and I have had it with people that I've performed with numerous times. Um, and I have, you know, done a scene three or four times with someone that was, you know, it was a great scene. I'm sure it looked amazing from the outside. It felt good, fine enough, but it didn't feel like that deep connection of chemistry. Um, and then I did another scene with them and all of a sudden there it was. So, you know, any anything is p- possible. There's potential for anything to happen uh, when that when it comes to that. But, um, you know, I think it just really depends on the other person and what you know, what they're kind of like open to. And yeah, it, it can be there with anyone and it's not it's not there with everyone. And I think uh, people can learn to be that way of course of course definitely i i hope that when (laughs) you know my hope is always that when someone decides to become a performer that they are seeking to be that way but you know a lot of people are just like oh shit i can make a lot of money doing this so i'm just gonna do that (laughs) and then i'm gonna just do what i've seen other people do uh which you know that leads to just sort of like inauthenticity and stuff and that that's always hard for me to deal with. If the person I'm working with is that way, um, mm-hmm. then I just have to kind of like compartmentalize it and be like, okay, well, this is what they're going to bring. So I'm just going to like do my best. <laughs> now, because, and that's interesting because you're a pro and you're great at your job. Like uh, someone like me who is a fan but not, and I've done like a, a little bit of film work, like over, I've honestly over the past like year, like a couple, so I'm learning. So I'm a rookie where you're, you're, you know, an all-star. So like, it's different, but like, I probably wouldn't, I would just see, wow, Sin, that's an amazing scene. You guys look great. But like for you, like, you know, like, all right, this other performer really wasn't, they're not authentic, like you said, or they're, it's just a, just showing up. Do you see the difference? Like, or is it like you've been doing it for a while, you know how to like overcome it. And you're kind of like, I don't, I don't see, like, I see like, it still looks good. Or like, do you kind of like notice like, yeah, like it's off. Well, I don't watch I make that's for damn sure. Uh, (laughs) I don't watch really any of them. There was a time period, probably in the mid two thousands or, around the time I started like getting um, more popular that I did start watching some of my scenes um, just cause I wanted to like improve and get better. 
at what I was doing, but I don't watch them now. So I would just say that like, it's not about seeing it cause I don't see them, but it is all about feeling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I have scenes that I've done where, you know, people always go, oh, what's your favorite scene? So I don't um, answer those questions anymore. They get asked way too often. Um, what's your favorite scene and who's your favorite person to work with? Like, nope, not answering that. I'm like, right. Whatever's your favorite. That's the best one then, isn't it? Um, and so then they'll tell me that what their favorite is and, you know, sometimes it's a scene that stands out in my head as being like really awful that I didn't like at all um, because I know how fake it was. And then they're like, that was, that's the one I love the most. And I'm, I'm not going to take that away from them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like if you love that one and you thought you saw, you know, that in there, then fucking great. That's awesome. I'm glad somebody saw it. <laughs> and then usually a lot of people did. Um, whereas, you know, me being in that scene, me being the one touching, kissing, having sex with this other person, like, I know the true story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's just kind of like, uh, it's just like what all artists say, you know, um, once you make the art and you put it out into the world, it's not yours anymore. It's the world's. So, You know, like one of my favorite artists is Bright Eyes and I listen to his songs and I know what they mean to me. It's interesting to hear the story of maybe what he wrote it for or who he wrote it for or about. But even he has said, like, you know, it's about what you get out of it way more than what I meant out of it. And so that's just it's the same thing. Like everyone's going to react to that piece of art differently and get something different out of it than maybe what the intention was, but that's okay. Like it's not mine. It's yours. <laughs> no. Uh, and you see we're on that same wavelength. Cause I was just going to say that because you, I, you, what you're doing is art and you are an artist. And I was just going to say pretty much the same thing. Like I, the past over since the pandemic, I've done podcasting for years and this is the closest thing I've so far done to art. But like, um, what'd you say? I said, oh, it is, you know, content is, is art. It's just, you know, how, how are we going to, what lens are we viewing it through? Um, And yeah, you know, like I'm not a fan of, you know, Logan Paul, but through a certain lens, like that's art. So no, no, same. I'm I'm same one, both. I'm not a fan of Logan Paul and, (laughs) but I, I can respect that the work that it does, like you don't just get that many followers consistently without putting in work. Do I agree with the work or like it myself? No, but absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it, but I can see like, I know like you're, he puts work in to get, you don't just yeah. get that yeah. and consistently get that without putting in that work and yeah. tapping into an audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's funny because over the pandemic, like I've done podcasting for a while, but I can honestly say from like 2013 to like 2019, the the podcast that I was doing, it didn't last very long. And really, the people who listened were like friends and some family, right? So yeah. it's a little bit different where like doing a podcast, a couple of them, where there's like people you don't know are listening and like writing to you. And it's like, 
it's humbling and it's very cool. But then, like, by the numbers or even sometimes by, like, what they write to you, they're picking an episode that you're like, oh, really? That's the one. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's the one you look? I was like, because then you have those that you're like, man, this. And it's like clockwork every time where I'm like, this one, people are going to grab. Like, I, I was feeling that. you People have to feel it. And then you see the numbers and, like, well, no one. I thought people would. No one's saying anything. And then you do another one where, like, it was cool. It was good. And it, the numbers are going crazy. And people are like, I love it. And I'm like. Thank you. And deep down, I'm like, I don't really. Yes. It's like, and I, I'm happy, but this is weird. Totally. And that's just content creation. It's something mm-hmm. that that's just content creation. So, you know, now I'm mainly publishing custom videos or content trades, which is usually just sex scenes with other girls or maybe little fetish things we make. But, um, but when I was like trying to come up with my own ideas more, um, I'd be like, oh, yes, this is fucking fire. Like, this is so good. Oh, people are going to love this. And then and then I see the sales and I'm just like, wow, this didn't really resonate with people as much as it resonated so much with me. Um, and then feeling really disappointed by that. But then seeing some shit that I made that's that I was like, oh, no one's going to buy this. But whatever. It's a clip. It's an update. I'm putting it up there. And then just tons of sales. And so there's just not, there's no way to know what the reception is ever going to be uh, to something. That right. And um, so anymore, I will just pretty much make any type of content. Like if someone comes over to shoot content trade and they're like, well, what sells for you? I'm like, I, I don't even really know. So what sells for you? Let's make it. Cause I just need, I just need content updates. So I've, I'm happy to make anything because it's all fun for me. Um, and because I, I never know what's going to sell. So, you know, Mm. let's just make something fun that we like. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's okay. So that I was going to ask you that, like balancing, because you always hear it in everything of like, you know, whether it's music artists, content creating of like, there's this project that you want to do, but then you're doing like the big, you know, like. You know, say this person, this actor or actress wants to do like this deep project that means so much to them, but then they do like, you know, I love Marvel movies, but let's just go with it. They do like a Marvel movie, which is like the commercial thing to like, all right, they get paid and then they want to do this passion project that means a lot to them and might be critically cool, but people aren't going to watch. So I was going to ask, like, how do you balance? Because there's things with podcasting or when I think about like filming that I'm like, I always wanted to see it. I think it'll be really cool. But it's like, if people were like, we like this, we like this. It's like, how do you balance out giving, you know, because we are, it is commercial, it is a business, giving that commercial thing, but also creating the content that is very passionate and personal to you. Yeah. um, You know, that is a tough one. And I, so here we are just um, trapped by the boundaries of capitalism and, Correct. and um, you know, like I didn't choose this life. This is the world that I was born into and I must participate if I want to feed myself and have a roof over my head. So I, ha- you know, I, I think everyone makes a decision 
uh, over what is going to be like a meaningful life for them. And um, I think that the balance for me would, it would maybe be with like the custom video thing so that, you know, the custom video thing is I'm going to make the video that you pay for. Uh, and that will be me participating in the capitalism that I need to, that gives me that income. Um, with the other stuff that I do, like if I'm making stuff because it's what I want to be making, like OnlyFans is a great example. Like I know I could make a ton of more money if I took my OnlyFans and handed it off to a company and had them run it for me. But I really, really struggle with the fact that it would be completely inauthentic. That, you know, my fans who joined because they like me as a person and then now they're talking to not me, someone who's not me pretending to be me. Um, or like if I kept my mouth shut about social issues and political issues, not only on podcasts, but um, on my Twitter and whatever else. Mm-hmm. platforms like I could keep my mouth shut about all that stuff I would have a lot more followers I'm sure um, because yeah when the 2020 stuff was going down I got on that platform and I said how I felt and I lost followers and but I feel strongly like if if these are things that you support like I don't even want your fucking money like please don't look at my shit so right. you know it's just that for me I don't want to die on the biggest pile of money. That's not what my goal is in life. Like I recognize very deeply that I am going to die and that I have this brief amount of time. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it's a lot more time, but I can't know that. Mm-hmm. And what is going to be, what is going to make my experience here on earth meaningful to me? Money makes it um, less stressful. It makes it, um, you know, just knowing that I have some financial security that I don't have to stress about like how I'm going to feed myself. Like I am so grateful for that, but, but getting more and more and more and more of it is not, is not something that I personally find to be, um, a valuable life experience. So, you know, for me, it's like that being authentic to myself, to, my fans to the uh, the purpose of my life that I want to be using my platform for, um, that's more meaningful to me. So um, that to me, like that's that's where I can draw that line of balance. Like it's important for me to live a life of integrity. It's important for me to inspire people to be more true to themselves, to be to live more authentically. Um, those are the things that matter to me, knowing that I've left a mark in that sense, um, however small, even if it was only a small handful of people, that is more meaningful to me than making sure I own a home or whatever. Like, I I mean, I've got no one to leave anything to. uh, So I just don't see that as having the same kind of value for my life. I don't judge anybody else of the way that they're living their life. But, um, you know, I've thought in depth about all of these things quite a bit and I have reached the conclusion that, um, that this is, this is what's more important to me than, um, you know, making a Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
that uh, I I couldn't agree more. And um, well, that was that was perfectly said. And and I appreciate your authenticity in that answer and the authenticity you have as an artist. Like that's really I admire it because it's the it's the I feel the same way. And and I'm not going to sit here and not say I haven't battled that thought of like, well, do I just do this to be like, I'm not going to lie to you or the people who are going to be listening. But um, in the end, that's the truth. It's like, I I tell you what, there's no, whether, you know, physical pain is something and it's real, but there's nothing for me worse than that pain of like, you're just looking in the mirror and you just are disgusted with yourself for, yeah, you're quote 